0: I want to talk to you about prayer tonight not because I think you need to learn anything else about prayer this is our prayer meeting crowd so you know you already know about prayer but uh, just as uh, an encouragement to us I remember back when when I was just a very young Christian anytime the pastor said he's gonna be preaching on prayer I would think wow Couldn't you find something more exciting? (laughs) But as I've as I've grown in the Lord and learned more about spiritual things, and I've learned the importance of prayer. And uh, the the truth is, we probably don't know enough about prayer. Instead of instead of knowing too much or not wanting to hear anything about it, I want to talk to you tonight about something maybe a little bit different about about prayer here in mark 11 now now he's been talking about this this is where in the context he talks about if you got faith you know that you can move mountains and that kind of thing and then he then he he says there in verse 24 therefore i send to you and again you know what the therefore is therefore don't you because of what has just been said therefore i send you what things soever ye desire And just kind of draw a little circle around or draw a line under that word desire because that's the key of this verse here. Whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. And the key word in that again is the word desire. And then in Psalm chapter 37 verse four, and I'll just read it for you. Delight thyself also in the Lord And he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. You know, some folks uh, just do not pray. And I'm talking about Christian Christian people. Some, they just don't pray. They don't make their request to God. And many folks who do pray do so to no avail. And the, and the, uh, if there's, a, if there's a key to this that we're discussing here tonight, it, it's that the missing ingredient in our prayers is desire. Desire. Uh, in fact, desire is the very basis of prayer. Uh, Jesus didn't say whatsoever you ask when you pray. He didn't say whatsoever you want when you pray. He said whatsoever things you desire when you pray. What's everything you desire when you pray? Desires is much an element in prayer as faith is. I'm afraid that a lot of times we ask for things that we're we don't really desire in our soul. Those there's no real uh, yearning in our souls, no groaning in our spirit. Uh, the order of prayer is this. This is this is speaking now. We, you know, as Humans as people, uh, we there. There's not a desire to pray for things, ask God for things, unless we have a need. We're just kind of made that way, aren't we? We we got to have a need. You always pray more when you're going through a trial, or when you know when there's a need. You have a need uh, to to pray. Uh, we don't, we don't like needs, do we? God knows if he didn't create needs in our life that we would never pray. You know, I've told you about one time when I was pastor in Tennessee, I, I we were not, I hadn't been there long, and so our church was not, you know, that big at the time. But I thought, you know, I want to, every morning when I want to pray, you know, I'd pray I'd pray about if if I knew somebody was sick I'd you know pray but no but I got the idea I'm on, I'm going to call I'm going to take I'm gonna make a list and each day there's 10 people and I'm going to call them and ask them so I'm you know I want to pray for you I'm going to go to the Lord in prayer can you tell me what your needs are And you would be surprised at the number of people that I would call that would tell me well I don't have any needs right now and so I, so I got to thinking, maybe I ought to pray that God will give them some needs. Because the only way that you're going to pray like you ought to is whenever you, when you have a need. Amen? So, so the first thing God does, he allows us to have a need. The second thing that happens is because I have a need, I have a desire. And because I have a desire, I believe that I can't take care of it, but God can. And I have faith that God can take care of this need that I have. And because I think God can take care of it, it, that's faith, then I make requests. I come to God, and I ask, and then God sends the answer. One of the classic uh, books on prayers, the one by John R. Rice, where where he defines prayer is just asking and receiving and that's the title of the book: asking and receiving. Uh, but but there has to be there has to be in that asking there's has to be that desire that yearning for for the for the answer for it. The very the very premise of prayer, the very basis of prayer, is, is desire, and it's missing from most prayers that are prayed. Many of us go through the motions. We we go through the formality. We, we mouth words to God with no desire in our souls, no, no real hungering uh, in our hearts, no yearning in our souls. We're not really praying. We're, we're going through the motions. It's only the shale. It's only the outward show of prayer. You know, I've had... Um, over the years and I you know I respect I respect uh, you know when people say preacher I you know I, I can't pray in public so I'd like you know appreciate if you don't call on me to pray in public and you know when people tell me that I um, you know I respect that I, and I don't unless I forget <laughs> sometimes I forget and call on them <clears throat> but um, but you know if we have you know if we have the right attitude about it, we'd realize we're not being, we're not praying to be heard by men. we're praying to God, be heard by God. And so you know when it when it's a heartfelt thing, then you know we we are not even conscious that other people are listening because in prayer we're talking to God, we're not really, now, I, you know, I think, I think in public prayer, and I pray that you ought to pray, I mean, I, I believe you ought to pray loud enough that you can be heard. But, but you know, but in reality, your, your prayer is to God, it's not to man. And, um, and so it's it all, you know, our, we, we, ought to, we ought to pray with that, that attitude. That this is something, you know, that, that's from our heart. Prayer ought to—it ought to be part of our spiritual habit, and, and I'm cautious using that word habit. But when prayer becomes becomes habit only, then and when it becomes duty, then it ceases to be prayer. Um, I, you know, I encourage people to have set times of prayer, but you know, don't don't let that become the only time that you pray, because then because then you you know then you can it becomes rote and you have to be careful about that uh, you know when, when I was in school high school especially we'd begin the morning and you know the teacher would read a verse or have one of the students read a verse in the Bible or maybe a passage and, uh, and then went out prayer well you know what the prayer was don't you it's the, called the Lord's Prayer our father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Uh, now, that becomes a root prayer. That's, you know, you're just mouthing words. The Lord, that, that actually should not be called the Lord's Prayer. It should be called the Disciples' Prayer because the Lord gave that in answer to their desire for the Lord to teach them to pray. And, and what, what the Lord's Prayer, what we call the Lord's Prayer, what it is, it, the Lord has given the principles there principles of what the prayer ought to, your praying ought to be made up of and uh, so it doesn't now you know I uh, now personally I believe that that's better than nothing and I think you know that with the students in school that um, having to recite that I think that just you know kind of draws their attention to, to the importance of prayer and all that so I'm not you know I'm not saying don't do that at all that would be better than nothing at all but but uh you have to be careful that doesn't become just a formality just mouthing some words prayer is not a petition it is a passion it is not just a habit it's something that's driven from the soul of a person because of a hunger for something that God can give one of the great elements of prayer missing—that—that that, uh, is missing—is the element of desire, the very basis of prayer. In uh, in James chapter five verse sixteen, it says, "The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much." That word "fervent" means to be stretched out. It speaks of a runner in the finishing kick of a race on the last ra- lap, the last. Yardage when he's headed into the finish line. He's straining every muscle. That's what fervency speaks of. It it also speaks of uh, something being boiling hot, something boiling in the soul of a person. One of the great secrets of our lack of answered prayer can be found in, in the weakness of our desires. We have become so content in this society. What what is destroying us is not necessarily the presence of evil desire, but the absence of godly desire. There's something lacking, something missing that that desperately needs to be to be found again. Desire has concentration and fire. It wants a few things and wants them badly. It's not Scramble with 10,000 thoughts. Desire is narrow and single-minded. There's something that it must have. Most people's prayers have no intensity or, or, or fervency. They're not stretched out, laboring in prayer. Strong desire makes for strong prayers. Desire goes after those things it wants with everything that it has. It, it is desire that arms prayer with a thousand pleads and robes it with invisible courage so that it will not be denied. It provides determination. Desire is the basis of determination as well. Uh, for many of us, there, there's, no, there's no passion in our prayer. We keep the form while the inner life fades and dies and the heart grows cold and indifferent, and literally unconcerned. We think that we're good Christians because we set a time aside and say a few words of prayer, but we have no passion. You 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 sometimes pray for things you don't even want. You ask for things that would be an in imposition in on your lifestyle if you got them. That's a roll-off Roloff. Uh, one time he said many Christians pray for revival but he said they wouldn't like it if they got what revival brings I was telling Brother Tony earlier today about uh, in studying I was I was thinking about we had an elderly woman in our church there in, in Tennessee that uh, when she was a little girl six years old um Billy Sunday came to Morristown, Tennessee, which is a town, a city kind of east of, uh, east and north and east of uh, Knoxville. And it's a pretty good drive, even in a car, from from Maryville over to Morristown. But she said Billy Sunday came there to hold one of his campaigns. And what he'd do when he'd go into a town like that, he'd they'd construct a tabernacle. All oh, it would be just a shell, just you know, lumber just a shell, uh, sides open because no air conditioning. They and there'd be it'd be a thousand seat tabernacle, and be that many people gathered inside, plus people standing outside. But he always wanted sawdust on the on the ground, and uh, you you know you, you he became famous for asking people to hit the sawdust trail. You know they and uh, so. He was holding this campaign, and so uh, her family, the mom and dad, they got all the kids together, and that was back when they drove horse and and wagons or buggies. And uh, in this case, they drove a wagon, horse and wagon, all the way from Maryville over to Morristown. And they took quilts and and stuff, you know, because they were going to stay there the whole week. And uh, and they took, you know, made had provision there that they they could cook. The mom could cook, uh, you know, build a fire and cook, and or or you know whatever whatever other method they might use for providing food for them. Uh, The meetings would only be at night, and so during the daytime they had they had enough time, you know, to prepare food stuff like that. But they would sleep underneath the wagon. And uh, they would take those quilts and they'd pile them down underneath the wagon they'd they slip on top and with the quilt quilts on on them and for a whole week they sat they stayed there and uh for that meeting with Billy Sunday and and the uh you know the inconvenience that you know I was telling him I said you couldn't get people to do that today we're spoiled but uh but they'd say there a whole week sleep at night there because it was too far to go back and forth with the horse and wagon and they would you know just unhook the wagon tie the horse up over there somewhere in a place you know where the horse could get food to eat and all grass I guess and if they had they took hay along you know for them and um uh, but, but they'd sleep underneath that wagon in fact in fact, that became their house while they were there for the week and um uh, and she was telling me, she said, uh, uh, the, a lot of the businessmen in the city, uh, they, they didn't like it, not only there in Morristown, but in other cities, some of the business people wouldn't like it, especially people that had bars, pool halls, and stuff like that, because, because while he was there, he'd get the people saved that ran those places, so they'd close up. Said many bars shut down during a meeting when Billy Sunday was in town, and stayed closed after after he left. See, that's what revival would bring. That's why Lester Roloff said that most people who pray for revival would not like it if revival came. They wouldn't like what it brought. And uh, you know the the you know I think it's I think the same thing. The uh, a lot of our praying. It's not really with intensity. It's not really fervent. It's not, it's not you know, uh, a boiling heat prayer. It's not, not with strong, strong desire. Uh, our prayer has been tempered to a respectable lukewarmness. Lukewarmness makes God sick, doesn't it? God never intended for us to be lukewarm. He said, if you're not going to be red hot, I'd rather you would be ice cold than lukewarm. Uh, I heard uh, a preacher one time explaining that. He said, uh, now lukewarm is, uh, is closer to hot than cold. If, if God really wants me red hot, then the question would come, why would he not rather have me lukewarm than cold? But he said, he said, the the thing is, hot is uncomfortable. Cold is uncomfortable. God doesn't, God, uh, he doesn't want you to be comfortable. Lukewarm is Comfortable. The Lord is, I was preaching about the eagle stirring up the nest so the eagles would get out and do what they're supposed to do. They, they're supposed to fly. And so he would, that eagle, she would tear that nest up, make it uncomfortable. And see, that's, that's what God wants to do. He doesn't want us to get satisfied, and get comfortable, you know, and uh, we, we ought to always be, striving for better you know to be better to do better and uh to do more not to just get comfortable and and satisfied god said i want you red hot but if you're not going to be red hot i'd rather you be as cold as an ice cube so you can get convicted so badly that you're uncomfortable so that uh being cold or hot is not a is not you, you know you're you're going to you're going to do more in either case than whenever you're lukewarm. Uh, prayerlessness lacks the essential elements of true prayer. True prayer is based on desire. It has earnestness involved in it. Most people's prayers have no no uh, reckless abandon, you know, like, like the prayers of those in the Bible or like Great revivalness of, of days gone by. You know, you read reading, you reading the Bible. Uh, people would pray things that, and you think, well, goodness, you know, how's that going to ever happen? How's that prayer going to be ever, you know, be ever be answered? <clears throat> God likes impossible things, you know, impossible for us, <clears throat> because uh, that he can get the glory out of that. You know, if it's something you can do yourself, then God doesn't get the glory out of it, does he? It's, it's those things that we have to depend on God to do for us. In Exodus chapter 32, Moses came down from the mountain from God. God said that the people have given themselves to idolatry. And He said, I, uh, he, he said to Moses, step back, Moses, I'm going to kill them all. And start over with you. We're just gonna make a new a new race. I'll start over with you. And Moses fell on his face before God. He said, Oh God, basically, and I'm not quoting this word for word, but but he said, Please deliver them, if not blot me out of thy book also. Kill me too. He said, if you're gonna go if you're gonna kill them, go ahead and kill me. Now it sounds to me like there may have been some desire in that prayer. Don't you? Don't you think that would be true? It sounds to me like there was a little bit of reckless abandon involved in that prayer. It sounds like there was some passion in that prayer. It sounds to me like there was something that Moses wanted, and he wanted it bad. He wanted God to deliver those people. He wanted God to withhold his hand of judgment. He, he prayed and put himself on the line. We don't have much of that reckless abandon like, like Moses had, do we? What about with Jacob? When he said, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. He was not talking to some man. He was talking to, talking to God. I'm holding on to you. I'm not letting you go until I get the blessing. And by the way, it cost him. It cost him too. The Bible says that the, the the sinew in the heart of his thigh was shrunk. He limped for the rest of his life. But he didn't mind the price he had to pay because he said there's something there's something I have to have no matter what the cost. Something I have to have. And he came out of that a prince with God and with men. He had prevailed. There, there is such a thing as prevailing prayer is prayer with great desires prayer with great heed great fervency prayer with the determination to importune until the answer comes the reason you pray once and quit is because you have no desire the reason you mouth prayers and don't know what you said 15 minutes later is because you don't pray with fervent desire not something that burns in your soul not something you want you know you ever pray you pray uh, for somebody maybe somebody in your family or maybe somebody you work with you know a friend or whatever and you, uh, you pray for their salvation but do you pray with the fervency that Paul did when he when he, said, when he said, I could wish myself a curse from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. Talking about Jews, he was a Jew. He said, uh, if it were possible, I'd be willing to go, go to hell to see these Jews saved. Now, Paul also knew that that was not going to happen. But that was, the, that was, he prayed with such intensity, fervency, such desire. He said, I'd be willing. I'd be willing. Um, Jacob said, I need, I need the blessing of God. It burns in my soul, whatever cost I have to have it. I'm not, I'm not just delighting in approaching to you. I'm not just delighting in the formality of the outward show. There's something that burns in my soul and I have to have it. David said, As the heart panteth after the water books, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. In Psalm 27:4, one thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. He said, There's a driving force in my life is the force of my prayer but it's the force in my daily daily living also John Knox prayed oh God give me Scotland or I die that's that's desire give me Scotland or I die David Brainerd who was a missionary to the American Indians he said give me souls or take my soul. Yeah, you know, I've studied uh, I've studied the you know the subject of prayer a lot since I've been a Christian and you uh, know I've studied the you know the great revivals of history and uh, one thing that that's present in every great revival that's ever taken place, there's always been prayer. It's always been prayer that was behind that revival. I, I preached a lot of revival, especially when I was in uh, Tennessee. It seemed like every time I turned around, somebody was asking me to come <laughs> preach a meeting. And uh, just in a short period of time i i preached in 20 different churches preaching revivals 20 different churches and i i came to the place i said you know god didn't call me to be an evangelist i'm a pastor and i can't pastor my church by being away that often and and so i got where i would turn down i still occasionally would you know if i felt like the lord really wanted me to i would preach revival but um the greatest revival that I was ever in, it was, it was preceded by a three-month prayer meeting. They, that church, for three months, every night, they'd, met, they'd had cottage prayer meetings, you know, or uh, sometimes like meeting at the church, the whole church, no meeting at the church. And they prayed for that meeting for three months. They prayed for that meeting. And uh, I've never been in. I've never been. I was the preacher, but anybody could have got up there and and uh, they could have seen miracles take place because because of the prayers of God's people. Uh, I mean that 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 means that there was a desire there uh, for revival and to see souls saved. Uh, And I know that revival is not getting souls saved. Revival is God's people getting. Revived, but but most of the time in in a revival meeting like there will be souls saved. There's if God's people get revived, then they'll bring people to church, or else they'll lead them to Christ Himself and bring them. So, um, but you know there were things that happened in that meeting that just I you know I'd never experienced anything like it before, and haven't since. But, uh, answer, you know, in answers to prayer, people that, that were hard cases that during that meeting that got saved, um, I, I remember, I, I, I may have told you about this before, but, but um, the, there was a lady that was coming, she'd come on Monday night, Tuesday night, boat, and when the invitation came, she came forward, and she, she was already saved, in fact, she was a member of that church, but she said... Um, she came forward. And she said, "I want to. I want to pray for my husband. My husband is Church of Christ, and I cannot get him to come to a Baptist church. I can't get him to come with me." And uh, and she said, "While he claims to be Church of Christ, he's not saved. He does not know Christ as his personal Savior. But but you can't get him to come in <laughs> a Baptist church." And she said, I'm, praying, "I'm coming to pray and like for you to pray for my for my husband." So. Uh, so we did the pastor and I both. You know, each night we would, you know, kneel beside her there and pray, pray for her husband and pray, you know, that he'd come and that he'd be saved. So on Wednesday night, um, he came. He came with her. And now this is not, you know, this was not just a cold turkey thing. I mean, she had been witnessing to him and this had been going on for a long, long time. She was witnessing to him. So it wasn't just the message that night. But, uh, but that night, I, I, I preached the message. That I was calling five five minutes, uh, what will you do five minutes after you die? Or where will you be five minutes after you die? And, uh, and so, you know, it was on, mostly on about hell. And, uh, and, and before I even got to the invitation, I mean, I, I was probably on about halfway through the message, and that guy stood up, and and he said, Preacher, can I go ahead and get saved right now? And, and said, yeah, you come on. And uh, and so he was over here getting saved while I'm finishing up the message. You know, <laughs> the preacher was over there leading him to the Lord. A lot of things like that happened in that meeting. Our pastor, Brother Smith, uh, told a story one time. I don't know, I don't remember if this was, his family or if this was somebody else but uh a little boy in the family got sick and he was running real high temperature and that was back in the days before electricity you know they didn't have out in the country you know didn't have electricity so there's no refrigeration you know no ice or anything and um uh, long way from town and um uh, they it, it took them a day or two before they he could even get a doctor to come out. That was back in the days when doctors would would come to the homes. The doctor came out and uh, examined the boy, and, and, and uh, he was running extremely high temperature. And the doctor said, uh, "If we don't get if we don't get this child's temperature down right away, he's not going to make it. He, he's going to die. He's not going to make it." And, and if, we, if we don't get it down soon, not only that, even if he did live, this is, this is uh, destroying his brain. And um, so he said, we've got to have ice. We've got to get some ice. And everybody said, well, how, you know, there's no ice around. It's miles into where, where a, a store would be. And, and we don't even know if you would even have any ice there when we get there. And uh, we don't even know where to go. And didn't have automobiles; it was just, you know, horse and wagon. And um, so they, they said, you know, what are we, we going to do? And the, and, the, and the doctor said, well, you know, we're going to pray for a miracle. I said, I don't know what to pray for. I don't even know what to pray for. But we got to pray that somehow something can be done to get this boy's temperature down, or he's going to die. And so they got down you know praying and you know the family of course the mom and dad. You you talking about with desire now that would make you pray with desire, and uh, and so they were praying they, and you know going going on and especially the family members, you know really praying with with fervency, and uh, and then uh, somebody that had been outside came running in and said said uh, started calling out, mom and dad, one of the children, older children, mom and dad, it's raining, it's raining, and it's hailing, it's hailing. And they ran outside, and there were big chunks of, of hails, you know, ice that was falling, covering the ground. They ran out got buckets and pans and stuff and started scooping uh, the ice off of the ground and, and holding containers, you know, to uh, catch the ice that was falling from the sky. And so the, the doctor said, get that, get, get that ice in here. And, and they already had a tub with water in it. And they put that ice in there and put that boy in there. And in just a little, just a little while, they had his temperature down. Now, that's, that's a miracle. That's something that can only happen in answer to fervent praying. Who would have ever thought of something like that happening? That had to be that had to be God that sent that ice in answer to their prayer. Janice and I, um, years ago, we were at the hospital in Knoxville. Uh, a man in our church; he was having heart surgery. In fact, what they what they were going to have to do, because um, the bottom part of his heart, and this has been years ago, so. They didn't know as much, you know, as they do now. But the bottom part of his heart, they were going to cut it off, cut it away because it was dead and it was interfering with the rest of the heart, you know, working right. <clears throat> and, uh, so uh, we were there and, in, you know, midnight comes around. The family was there. Janice and I were, were wait, waiting until after the surgery, you know, and all. <clears throat> and, um uh, there, there was a good chance that he would not even make it through the surgery. So we were there, and at midnight, you know, I don't. I just felt there. There had been being a an attendant there, a nurse would come out periodically and say, "Well, you know, he, everything's good. He's still, you know, and they're still, you know, they're still working. But, but, uh, but, you know, every, everything's going okay." Well, then. There, then there was a period of time nobody came out, and so I got concerned. I said, and, and at midnight, I said, listen, we need to get down on our knees here and pray. I, I, I feel like something's wrong, something's not not right because nobody's come out to tell us what's going on for, for a good while. And so at midnight, we got down, all that family and Janice and I, we got down beside the chairs or on our knees and began to pray that, you know that, that God would spare the guy and get, help the doctors and all that and, um, and and so and we were still in prayer and, and, and after about 15 minutes around 12:15, um, the doctor then came out, the doctor that was one of the ones that was doing the surgery and he, uh, and he, he called out you know the name of the, the family and because all of us then stood up. And he said, uh, "He said we we've just had a miracle. We've just had a miracle." He said, uh, "Just before midnight, just before twelve o'clock, we lost him, and we couldn't get his heart. We couldn't get his heart working again. We we lost him." And he said, "And he said, at at midnight, he said." Uh, all of a sudden, his heart begins to work again, begin to pump again. And, um, or, you know, I don't know if it was pumping, but it began to work. And, um, and he, said, he said it was at midnight. And I, and I told him, I said, well, when you came out here just now, we were still praying at midnight is when we dropped to our knees in here and began to pray and he and he he's, he knew I was a preacher. He said, "But well, preacher, he said God answered your prayers because we lost him. He was gone, and the only way that he he would be saved was, uh, you know, through the through God bringing him back." And uh, he said that was an answer to prayer. We were doing some we were doing some real. <laughs> there was some real desire in our prayers when we were praying for. For that man the desire of the righteous in Proverbs 10:24 the Bible, the Bible says the desire of the righteous shall be granted the desire, not the quest the desire. in Psalm 10 verse 17 the Bible says, Lord thou hast heard the desire of the humble. That means God God hears everything I desire not everything I ask for, Not everything I request, not everything that I mechanically uh, read off to God. He hears what what I desire. I mentioned David Brainerd ago on one occasion he prayed out in the in the open air in about two feet of snow. He got on his knees praying for the American Indians. He lost track of time he prayed with such intensity that he melted snow down to the ground in a six-foot circle around his body in the open air that's in, that's intense praying and that's what desire you know, I just, you know I just thought I've, I've been thinking a lot about prayer and I've and I've really been praying a lot um, you know some things have happened. In our church, that that um, that I think requires intense praying, fervent fervent praying, and uh, this has been on my heart. So I just wanted to share that, share this with you tonight. Would you stand, please?